Folks, The Handlebar is a craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, California, and they have a happy hour seven darn days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. when you get a dollar off every single one of their 28 draft beers. Again, that's The Handlebar right here in Chico on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, the best happy hour in town if you ask me and Johnny. Go check them out. They're open seven days a week. That happy hour, again, is 2 to 6 p.m. every day of the week. A dollar off all of their craft beers. Go have a good time. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, you found yourself listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a weekly discussion about the worlds of craft beer and film led by me, Max Minardi. And me, Johnny Summers, your shepherd of entertainment. What a, that's your new, we're going to put that on a sticker for you. Speaking of stickers. Going on the business card. We got some great new stickers that we'll probably hand out. You know what? It's not even worth mentioning. I'm, we have such a limited amount. We'll probably just give them away to a few very special. So if you see some cool stickers of ours, you can't have them. Unless you really want one, we might do more. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, dude, I meant to send you with some uh, when you dropped off beers for the show today. That's all right. Uh, save me a few. Deal. Uh, all that to say, this week, our review of the new Netflix secret agent thriller, Heart of Stone, from director Tom Harper. But before our thoughts on that, Johnny, tell people what beers you did drop off at my place today. Yeah, we are going to be doing two beers from Fontaflora Brewing out of Morganton, North Carolina. They're a brewery that I have only kind of ever heard about. I don't think I've ever actually gotten to try any beer from them. So... First one we're doing is called Oak Stand. It's a Schwarz beer. It is uh, 6.5%. Schwarz beer? Schwarz beer? I don't know. However Schwarz, you want to pronounce oh, Schwarz it. Schwarz beer. Schwarzen beer. Yes. Uh, and the second is called Local Snacks. It is an Appalachian wild ale that is 6.4%. So pretty stoked on the beers this week. Yeah, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM here or around here in Chico, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday. Uh, on the radio version of our show today, you're going to be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which is going to eventually include spoilers for Heart of Stone. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30. On the other hand, you could just go see the movie and then listen to the podcast version of our show, which, in addition to our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, include uh, including spoilers, also has the always unpredictable Hot and Bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's how Johnny and I end the show each week by catching up with each other, talking about everything from Latest shows we'd recommend to fun beers we've tried off the air. It's really anybody's guess. Yeah, it's a wild and crazy time. To find all that, just go search Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the usual places. Uh, we release new episodes every Friday. We've been doing so since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. If you'd like the show, go take five seconds, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to let us know you did. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show or Max's attitude at 530-433-0839. Again, the number to text us with memes, cat pictures, and your takes on Max attitude, mm. Max's attitude in particular, uh, number is 530-433-0839. I don't know why I'm picking on you. You're always so chipper. You didn't say it would be a bad attitude. It could be feedback about my amazing attitude. I mean, that's really the only attitude you have, so I don't, I don't think <laughs> anything but glowing praise is going to come back. Perfect. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, you're going to search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, Fresh Hop Cinema. All right, here's a little extra bit of housekeeping. We have a Patreon. If you don't know what that is, here's the gist. We 
put out episodes every single week, and that's what goes on our podcast feed. But what you might not know is we also pretty regularly put out bonus episodes that are top secret. We also have top secret events that are is are just exclusive to people that support us on Patreon who support us anywhere from a dollar to ten dollars per week. So if if anything in that sliding scale sounds appealing to you, you can join us on Patreon. Get access to all that fun stuff. We've been slacking because August has been an extraordinarily hectic month uh, in both of our schedules individually. So we didn't have a bar hang in August, but we will be back on track with that in September. Um, And the bar hang is one of my favorite things that we do. And Patreon, we all get together and um, usually end up at at a local watering hole here that Johnny and I pick and we get together with our patrons and we talk about movies and we talk about beers and we talk about life. And, um, you know, it's, it's generally like 90 minutes to an hour of just fun hanging out with people that we don't always get to see in our, in our normal kind of routines, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty damn good time. I enjoy it every time we do it and, uh, looking forward to getting back in the swing of things. Also looking forward that have to having that be the most stressful thing in our life that we have to schedule. Let's get back to that. Those were good days. Yeah. Um, do we have any other Patreon exclusive announcements, Johnny Summers? Um, other than the bar hang coming up, we did have a birthday. Sherry, a new patron. Oh, cool. uh, recently she had a birthday on uh, the twenty eighth of this month, which as we're recording this was two days ago. So shout out Sherry. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday, Sherry. That's great news. Okay, I love that. Yeah, Sherry's one of our one of our newest patrons. Um, even reached out to me, uh, reached out to us via the the Patreon page, and was like, "Hey, what's you know what's the deal with the with the bar hangs?" And I had to I actually ended up seeing her in person. I was like, "You're you're not crazy. Like we do have those. We just again, it's been like a crazy month, and uh, we haven't scheduled one, but we'll be back on track." So um, to Sherry and everybody else in Patreon, look to your um, you know your your Patreon emails or your account if you log in or our Patreon exclusive Facebook page, and I'll post all the details for where that bar hang is going to be probably in the next week or so. There you go. Okay, that's housekeeping done, sir. So let's talk Fontaflora. And before we really get into it, does the name ring a bell to you as something that we may have tried as a collaboration beer with another brewery for a beer that I brought back years ago after a trip to Oregon? Does that by well, chance ring a bell? No, but that's so specific. I feel like that is, in fact, the case. I'm going to double check. But yeah, for in the meantime, tell me about this. Or, was that conjecture? Or I thought you were like saying, leading into like, this is the beer they collabed on. I No, it's really just ringing a distant bell, and, but a very Whoa. specific distant bell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. Usually when you set something up like that, it's just a thinly veiled I know. segue. <laughs> <It's a> segue. <laughs> you threw me off, man. No, no, like, no, that, you not... were actually guessing? Just guessing, yeah. Um, you know, it very well could be, but yeah, it like I said earlier, man, it's... I know of them. I don't really have much experience with their beers. If I've had them, it's been like once or twice at like a random share gotcha. or like in what you said, like randomly a collab. Um, but it does not ring any bells for me at all. all right, like, I could be wrong. And who knows if like one of us brought a beer back from Oregon, we might have mm. just like drank it on the front porch or something. Yeah, yeah. As we're known to do. Sure. And not record about them. Right. Uh, okay. Well, tell me about the brewery. Uh, so yeah, Fontaflora, they're a brewery uh, out of North Carolina, like I said. Uh, from their website, just a little bit on their their bio, I'll read it to you. Fontaflora yeah. Brewery integrates the soul of agriculture with the artisanship of Zymergy. Zimergy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, to create a <laughs> menagerie of rustic and savory libations with an emphasis on seasonal flora, Fontaflora brings English tradition and Belgian inspiration to the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. 
Fauna Flora utilizes local artists to help conceptualize the notion that fermentation is yet another medium for creating art. This uniquely artisan, artisan, artisan approach sure. to beer yields a sustainable product filled with culture from our very own community. Man, those guys can put together a paragraph, can't they? Zimmergy is the branch of chemistry concerned with fermentation. Specific, I, I'm going to say it's Zimmergy. I'm, I'm, or Zymergy, perhaps. Let's go with Zymergy. I think that's probably more. It's like metallurgy, Zymergy. It totally is. Z y m u r g y for uh, anybody, any etymologist out there. Yeah. Plus, Zymergy is fun to say. You are emphasizing it weird. I think it's Zymergy. Zymergy. I'm pretty sure it's Zy. Zymergy. Let's quit it. Zymergy. Okay. I suppose all that to say. Um, Let's get into this first beer. Um, thank you very much for looking that stuff up. That's lovely to know about the brewery. I've learned a new yeah. word and a new new brewery's backstory. So wonderful. Zimmergy. It's like synergy. Sure. Uh, Oak Stand is the first beer. It's a Schwarz beer uh, from Fontaflora, 6.5%. Uh, both beers this week were grabbed at S&S Produce. They were cold off the truck. Uh, they hadn't even made the actual shelf yet. Uh, Andy hooked it up from the back stock. They, these boys will be on the shelf yeah. probably by the time this drops. Um, so what's a Shores beer? Max, I know we kind of have a little bit of a background in beer, but I liked to uh, know specifically what we're getting into. So I'm going to tell you exactly what a Shores beer is, Perfect. if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, and this is from the unflappable website, Wikipedia. Love it. Um, a Schwarz beer or black beer. It's a dark lager that or originated in Germany. It has opaque black color with hints of chocolate or coffee. Generally around 5%. It's similar to a stout in that it is made from roasted malt, which gives it its dark color. Uh, and some characteristics on Schwarz beers, um, they're cold fermented, so that classifies them as a lager. Uh, warm fermentation has been used in the past, but like modern Schwarz beers are all cold fermented. Gotcha. Uh, alcohol, like I said, ranges usually 4.5 to 5.4. So this one is on the higher end for the category. Mm -hmm. uh, and they get like a dark color from roasted malts, which adds to, obviously, I'm expecting some coffee flavor, some yeah. toasty, roasty, uh, all those things. Uh, and obviously that malt gets the color from being roasted. Uh, and they range from being very bitter uh, to slightly sweet, so kind of all over the place. Yeah, the big the big distinction is because when you do pour a Schwartz beer, it does look a bit like a stout, but the, you just mentioned it. But in case people don't know, um, stouts uh, are not cold from fermented most of the time. They are they are ales rather than lagers, and the mm -hmm. same is true of porters. Uh, so that is that's the main distinction, though. If, if I think pretty much other than that, they're going to have very similar characteristics in the uh, actual makeup of the beer. But the, mm -hmm. the final product is quite a bit different because of that cold fermentation and, and ale approach or lager approach, excuse me. Yeah, totally. Okay. So specifically, the beer we are consuming, Oak Stand. Uh, it's a Schwarz beer brewed with estate-grown white oak. This beer was made in collaboration with our good friends at Home Place Beer in Burnsville, North Carolina. Mashed with local barley malt along with just a dash of specialty malts to gain color and depth of flavor. Steeped on estate-grown wood... Uh, grown white oak, which is wood, sure. harvested during the brew day from the back of our beautiful Whipperwill nice. farm property. What a great name for a farm property. It's really satisfying to look at that. The, that, the, the double P and double O next to each other are great. Whipperwill. Uh, fermented cold with our preferred house lager yeast and conditioned cold until crisp and crushable. A technique known as spunding, we closed off the fermentation vessel to allow all of the CO2 that would have otherwise been expelled. Though dark in color, this dark lager is crushable and dry on the palate. This is great. We're learning a spunding. That's awesome. We're learning so many new words today. Yeah. So I'm wondering, 
so to allow all of the CO2 that would have otherwise been expelled. So it stays in the beer. So yeah. that it's like tank um, carbonated. I, I also wonder about that. Maybe we can look into what spunding is. If you want to do a little shallow dive on that, I can kind of talk about what's in my glass. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because if you keep the CO2 in, CO2 is what causes carbonation. So Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Google it okay. anyway. Before you anyway, get to the, the glass, um, the, the can's pretty great, too. There's a bunch of old-fashioned hand saws, like really long, like the really long log saws. There's probably, I don't know, three, six, maybe eight of them on, on the front here. They're all a little bit different. Um, it's a lovely-looking can, and then it's got a nice little um, homage, oh, homage, not even an homage. It's the logo of Home Place on the side, um, mm-hmm. which I always like. I, it's always a bummer when you find out that, oh, yo, this is a collaboration. Like, they didn't even mention that on the can. Like... All right, cool. It's just like a footnote on Untapped or something. Right. No, they seem very upfront with um, the collaborations and the credit to the ingredients and whatnot. Yeah. I will point out one thing uh, also. I agree completely. This is a great can. Uh, every single one of Fontaflora's cans have a percentage of what ingredients in it are locally sourced. Oh, I, Andy, Andy yeah. was telling me about right. this. Some great, great knowledge from Andy, and it varies. Uh, the second beer we're going to consume is actually 99% locally sourced in North Carolina, which is super, super cool. That so, is super cool. Uh, the beer that we're drinking, uh, it was brewed with water from our wells and 76% local ingredients, which is, that's rad. Like, who does that? I will say, well, so maybe the the non-local stuff is the home place, but I, this is the equivalent of not giving a shout out to the other uh, percentage it's like well, the, right the, the other stuff's a mystery but 76 is local so pay attention eyes right here this is what we're talking about exactly uh so before we get into reviewing the beer i'm just going to circle back on spunding yeah. uh in short spunding is the process of trapping the naturally occurring co2 that is created during fermentation inside of the fermenter so that it absorbs into the wort as it turns to beer adding carbonation mm, there you go that's a trip okay great thank you for closing that loop yeah, and now we know. So on to Schwartz beer. Uh, how many have you ever had? Dude, rough guess. I was afraid you'd like, ask me that. I mean, uh, just rough guess. I just don't wing know. it. A dozen? Nobody's listening. We're just yeah. talking. I'm gonna say a dozen. That's higher than I thought. Is it? Is it too high? Do you think? I don't know your life, man. Yes, I don't know you what do. You're doing. You do around. know my life, and especially you know what I drink. You, if that's too high, you tell me. Well, if I had to guess for you, it would. Probably have been close to what I would have guessed for myself, which is maybe four to six. Oh, okay. I think it's more than that. I think it's at least five or six for me. And I would guess that I'm forgetting some too. Yeah. See, this is a style that I don't normally gravitate to. I told Andy, like, sweet, uh, a Shores beer. I hate those. Let's do it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's fun to get outside my comfort zone. I've been making you drink Saison so much. I figured Gosh, it, was just, I know. it was time for some comeuppance. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a kind of a sordid history with this style in that I'm not really a big fan. So I'm stoked to get into this one. It sounds like we both have a, probably a lot smaller sample size as compared to pretty much every other style out there. So yeah, it's cool, man. Let's expand our horizons right now. Have you tried Oak Stand? Just tried it, but yeah, it's it looks in my glass. I poured maybe maybe five or six ounces into a tulip glass here. Uh, it, you, you just by looking at it, potentially a stout, albeit a thin stout. It's you know it it doesn't hang onto the glass too much at all. It's got a bit of carbonation, obviously, in the head, like fairly large bubbles, uh, and then it all kind of settles back down and uh, goes back to being very placid and just kind of just mellow. A little bit of head that still kind of hangs around the edge, just a little bit of a ring. Other than that, pretty jet black. I hold it up to the window and it's bright as it's daylight right now. Uh, can't see through it, not a bit. So it looks like a stout yeah. to me. Is that kind of the experience you're having in your den? 100%. 
Am I missing anything super helpful to say about how it looks? It definitely pours and looks like a stout or a porter. Um, yeah. Easily mistaken if you didn't know this was a, a Schwarz beer, that it, it would be a stout. So, yeah, I'm stoked with how it looks. I've tried it. You've tried it. You want to go first? Sure. I I mean, I dig it. It's 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 bitter. There, you know, there's a very particular bitter roastiness that I think sometimes you don't always have in a stout. Um, I'm not sure exactly why the different fermentation process allows some of that to come through more. I don't dislike it. This is... Um, I think people who who uh, who really like espresso versus maybe, you know, black coffee or even like obviously like a mocha or something. It's it's mm-hmm. a very concentrated coffee like bitterness that is the first thing that I notice for sure. It's also super light, super thin. Um, I'm not sure that I would agree with the terminology they used, which is um, let me just so I don't misquote them. Um, they called it crushable and dry on the palate. Dry for sure. Crushable. I don't know. I think I would say agree with that. It is crushable just because of the the light body. It's just it's very thin, which leads to kind of bigger sips and in getting into gulps. That's I think it's true. It's something that could really uh, you, it's highly quaffable, man. I I would definitely drink this in a hurry. It's just I mean it is pretty bubbly, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a hard time quantifying something this bubbly as crushable simply for the the fact that if you tried chugging, uh, I don't know. Any Mountain Dew or Coke or any highly carbonated beverage, you're gonna run into some 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 burping problems. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Whatever. We're drinking beer. We're we're just boys drinking beer. And I get like whatever. I just don't love things that make me burp a ton. Fine. See, I enjoy burping quite a bit. Makes I, me very happy. You burp like you like it. I know. It's I I mean I'm enthused every time. But I poured this kind of hard. I wanted a it's a lager, so I wanted it kind of a hard pour, get some of the head off and kind of get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. So I'm not getting that carbonation. So I think maybe a harder pour might alleviate some of that and leave it a bit more uh rapidly sippable. Totally. Um, what do you think so far though? I, I like it. It's, it's fairly mellow on the flavor. The only thing that is lingering after I've had a couple sips is that bitterness. It's very back of the mouth, bitter, very much like an espresso or certainly mm-hmm. coffee. There's, there's a lot of really sweet kind of chocolatey vanilla notes on the nose. And I get some of that in, in the taste, in the tasting experience, but, but far and away, the most predominant is the bitterness. I would agree with that. Definitely a strong you nailed it with the coffee, the espresso analogy. That is spot on. Those roasted malts are shining through, which yeah. makes sense because it's a lager with roasted malts. So like there's not a ton of hops. Those malts are gonna go front, center. I'm the star. Yeah. I make this beer this color. I give it this flavor. Uh, but I'm really enjoying the balance of the sweetness to the the bitterness. I'm getting a, a probably I think a bit more of the the sweet chocolatey vanilla notes, and it's kind of blending into this really pleasant drinking experience. It almost reminds me of a latte. Yeah, I, I, it's not quite creamy enough for me to want to classify it like that, but I could see because of some, how, some of how it smells and some of that sweetness, then um, it almost would trick me into thinking that. But then when I drink it, it's like, nah, I re- remove my mask and I am just a cup of espresso. Here you are. Drink mm-hmm. me. Exactly. I'm the double shot, right. freshly pulled. Let's but I go. dig it. I mean, I do. I do like it. Um these are pint cans, by the way. That's how we bought them, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, ambitious. You know, I think a 12-ounce would be fine for this. Um, but again, it seems like one of those beers, stylistically at least, and I can say this with some certainty, that in most bottle shops, this is not a style that's taking up multiple shelves or multiple no. doors or 
So I think there's a, there's a there's a nice point is that if you do like the style, this is a good representation of it. And if you found it in a 16 ounce can, you'd probably be all the more excited. I agree. I, I think it's one of the better versions of this style I've ever had. I think it's probably the most enjoyable. It's something I would definitely drink again. I would have no problem drinking a whole 16 ounce can. Uh, I I really like the the thinness of it. It is very adjacent to some of my all-time favorite beers in like the darker but not stout category. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, brown ales particularly. Um, I really love Moostrel. I'm well-documented, man. That's one of my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually just bought a four-pack of Old Rasputin yesterday because um, mm -hmm. I wanted kind of an everyday stout to just like have one of that wasn't 14% or barrel-aged or give me diabetes. I just wanted something super traditional. And mm -hmm. it made me miss... Uh, the Sierra Nevada, like Porter stout and like the brown ale. Like I totally yeah, would have grabbed yeah. a six pack of bottles of Sierra Nevada brown ale yesterday if it was still around. Um, so I think this, for me, it's scratching a niche. That's something that I've been kind of craving lately anyway, something more caramely, more roasty, but still highly consumable. Yeah. Um, you know, cause this hits a really good ABV point for something that's not, like super chewy, right? Totally. Yes. There's a lot of stouts. Like you can get a narwhal uh, in a bottle in a six pack at any grocery store. And yeah. It's 10%, but you get like the same kind of drinking vibe from this. Um, and I'm never one to be a big fan of session beers, but I think this is one where I'd probably make an exception. It, it scratches that itch of like a good dark beer where it's not going to completely derail your afternoon if you have one of these after work. Yeah. I, I think that's a very good point. And, and, and I think one, that's one of the better reasons to reach for something like this instead of certainly an Imperial style, but it, it gives you some of the characteristics that you'd enjoy in that without, yeah, maybe totally knocking you down. Yeah. Like you could have one of these and still go out and have a nice dinner and yeah. not be more buzzed than you're ready for. You know, I had a, uh, an old Rasputin after work yesterday yeah. and it was, uh, it shifts the mood in the room. <laughs> That's a 9% yeah. chew on it while you're drinking it. It's so good. But, you know, if something like this was available in the mood I was in yesterday, I might have reached for this. And I might have grabbed like two cans of it and had a couple throughout the night. So Fair I'm enough. a fan. I like this beer quite a bit. And I think this might actually turn my opinion around a little bit on Schwarz beers. It maybe will get me to sample more when they're on the menu somewhere. I think it's great, man. I mean, it's, it's a style that historically... Was was sort of um, forgive the color pun here, but but the black sheep of beer, um, you know, because like this is you know we all know most of us, some of us know about the Reinheitsgebot purity law, yeah, that started mm -hmm. in Germany in like the 1500s, which if if you don't know, basically was a bunch of people being like, all right, to be to be beer, to 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 follow our rules, you need to have four ingredients, and those are um, you know like water, hops, malt, and yeast. Um, this style of beer, the Schwarzbier, didn't didn't fall or wasn't wasn't um developed in the Bavaria region where the Reinheitsgebot came from. So they were kind of free to do whatever they wanted. Um, but they made up their own purity law essentially. Um, and I'm gonna take a stab at it, but there's an umlaut in here. There's a lot of letters that don't normally go together in the language that I speak. But we're gonna say that this is the Vorlauchfiges Birgesetz. You can Gesundheit. look that up. Thank you. Um, basically, they're one sort of predominant, all-encompassing rules that a Schwartz beer had to be 100% malted barley with no adjunct grains. So you're not mixing and matching like you would in some other, maybe more Bavarian lagers. 
And that's what mm. led this to be so dark is they just had this malted barley and that was all that was in it. Um, so I thought that was kind of a fun fact to learn about this. But again, one of these styles that seems to kind of be tamped down or, or um, muted in comparison or, or maybe living in the shadow of something like a Pilsner um, or a Kolsch. Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm stoked to have, to have tried it today because I do think that earlier number of maybe a dozen is, is probably not correct for the number that I've tried. It's definitely the Rodney Dangerfield of styles. It gets no respect. Sure. Nice. Uh, Want to rate it? Yeah, man. I think I do. All right. After you, Johnny Summers, Oak Stand, Fontaflora, what do you got? For me, this is uh, an 8.1. This oh. is a fantastic representation of this style. One of the better ones I've ever had. Uh, maybe one of the only ones that I'll actually remember. I think it's it's very worthwhile, uh, and it's something that I will possibly gravitate towards purchasing more of. So 8.1. For me, it's a seven. I enjoy it. I don't love it. That bitterness is not something that I necessarily want to marinate in for too long. Certainly not 16 ounces worth. Was this relatively affordable? I wasn't with you at SNS. Yeah, pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, I, I think give it a shot if you want. It's it's not probably the most amazing beer you'll have tried this year, um, unless this really is your style. Again, I think this is really well made, um, and it's just not my favorite thing. So I think seven uh, for me is a, is a very respectable number. Well, I think I'm just more bitter than you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if uh, if you get a chance to try Oak Stand, let us know. Um, we'd like to know your opinion. If you think that um, maybe I'm more right or maybe Johnny's more right, we we love that kind of feedback. Um, and as a reminder, if you're on the radio, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. You can uh, you can leave us a voicemail if you want. You can send a text to five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. That is our podcast phone number. Again, that number is five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. And hey, if you do like the show, help us out, yeah? Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds, and it is definitely one of the most effective ways to help get our show in front of new potential listeners. Up next is a trailer for Heart of Stone. If you haven't seen it, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't go anywhere. You know what you signed up for. No friends. No relationships. What we do is too important. When governments fail, the only thing left is the charter. The most highly trained agents. It's a bigger operation. No political leanings. What's with all the speculation? No national allegiances. Time to make a statement. Working together to keep peace in a turbulent world. How many in the welcome party? Six of them. Vanessa Majors, that's my former reparations. They said you can't slide your attention to the nation. Hardly seems fair. She's developing a sense of humor. Hey! All right. The heart is what gives the charter its power. It can crash a market or drop a plane out of the sky. If you own the heart, in the world. This is what I mean. Jeff, I need your help. This is what Shutting I mean. exit route. We've been breached. What's happening? Our systems are offline. We've lost the heart. And now he wants it to me.
If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some gold that is available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, you should just go listen. So... Again, that's a trailer for Heart of Stone. It's a new movie on Netflix. It's a, The name itself is a combination of a play on words between, I would argue, the two main characters. Of course, Rachel Stone, played here by Gal Gadot, and a thing called The Heart, which mm-hmm. is a, a massively powerful sort of almost AI-like program that allows unprecedented access to the users or the controllers to basically any, and don't think too hard on this, but any any camera ever basically and all sorts of information and it's currently you know been developed and being held by this and tell me if this is too spoiler johnny but there's there's two organizations here and mi6 is one of them and the other one is called um i want to say the charter is that right yep that's right um and and that she really works for the charter but she's undercover in mi6 are we okay to say that starting off yeah, it's not made apparent, but it's it's uh, not, you know, like in the trailer. But yeah. first, if it's in the first ten minutes of the movie, I yeah, it, it's relevant to the story and, and understanding kind of how the film unfolds. So I just wanted to say mm-hmm. that um, this was directed by Tom Harper. He did Wild Rose back in 2018, um, a film about a sky uh, a Scottish aspiring singer that I never saw but really wanted to see, um, starring Jesse Buckley. Um, it was written by Greg Rucka and Alan Schroeder. It also stars Allison. Jane. Uh, thank you. Um, did I say Alan? <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, Jamie Dornan shows up as this fellow named Parker. Uh, you'll know Jamie Dornan from one or possibly two of two things. He was um, the main lead in Fifty Shades of Grey and earned a reputation there, but also was in um, Belfast, a movie that we love from director this time, Kenneth Branagh, um, last year, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny and I both love that movie. Um, yep. There's a couple other people we'll mention here. Most notably, um, Aaliyah Bott. She plays uh, Kia Dawan. She is... Um, She's someone we'll talk about. I Maybe we mm-hmm. don't need to set that up too much yet. Um, let's see. It came to Netflix on August 4th, so we're a few weeks behind here, but we just got a chance to catch up with it. It's, yeah, that, and there's, like, we've reviewed everything worth reviewing in the theaters right now. That might be close to right, yeah. yeah. Um, two hours long, two hours and two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like almost a classic espionage spy thriller combining itself with Minority Report in the AI sort of predictive you know, a secret society of, of military personnel that are kind of working for the greater good, uh, and, and, you know, kind of flying under the judicial radar, so to speak. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. Um, yep. I was not like this, you know, I, I do not have a heart in my house. So I was not even really aware that this movie had come out. I just, you mentioned it to me and I was like, Oh, okay. I I'll check it out. Um, I was fairly pleasantly surprised i'll say that the movie starts off very done um very predictable and then and then about 20 25 minutes in, you get a new angle which i found fun there's incredible set pieces here pretty good action that caught me off guard for how bad some of the early dialogue was <laughs> i think gal Gadot's pretty good here she doesn't have a lot of new stuff to do in terms of cinema history um mm-hmm. but she does what she's supposed to do i think in a pretty endearing and and effective both as a as a um maybe a charismatic lead and action star vibe um Mm -hmm. i think jamie dornan is not great here i think that was a big casting mistake 
Um, everybody else is pretty okay. And I think the movie's pretty okay. Like a decent way to spend two hours if you want to watch sort of a background action film. So for me, it's a, it's a six out of 10. Johnny, what did you think? Man, I think this movie was absolutely good enough. Um, you know, it's it's this weird hodgepodge of several Tom Cruise movies. You know, Minority, Minority Report obviously yeah. came to mind immediately as soon as you saw like the the user interface of of the actual heart. Uh, but also strong shades of Mission Impossible, strong sure. strong shades of of 007 secret agent type things. So done, absolutely done. Um, you know, it's standing on the shoulders of, of franchises that have been so well established that there's a blueprint for this movie. It exists, right? This movie is following beats that are well established. So the question then becomes. Is it going to do anything that surprises you or do anything unique? Or is it going to tell a story that we've seen and heard and experienced many different times in many different ways uh, just with fresh faces? And I think at moments it feels very derivative, but there are plot points and there is enough character with Gal Gadot that I think she carries this movie. But I think that they did enough with kind of some new angles and some some double double crossing and there's there's things in it that made it feel fresh enough to be like okay and the the action was top notch like it's good action it was good action it was terrible dialogue the writing Pretty was rough. just so <laughs> lackluster it was like it could have been a used car commercial or like you know it was just not to a level of, you know, cinema. It was definitely action movie dialogue. But this is an action spy movie, so you have to take that with that grain of salt. All in all, I was massively entertained. I thought the the interactions between Gal Gadot's character and uh, Alia Bhatt's character, yeah. their dynamic was, was fascinating, and we'll get to it kind of in the spoiler okay. zone, but there's potential for maybe some some more films with yeah, this character yeah uh so i kind of i like the world they built i really liked oh his name was right here and i just lost it is it is the it gu- the guy from army of the dead uh yeah the yeah. guy that's the um kind of runs the heart He's his like name the, the, yeah is the name man is in the chair matthias um oh boy i don't what is it with me today matthias schwieghofer schwieghofer schweighofer schweighofer something like yeah. that uh, he's fantastic. Um, so there was some great chemistry between certain characters. I completely agree with the massive miscast of, of Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea who that dude was. I think he was... Who Jamie Dornan was? Yeah. I never watched any of the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, and Belfast was great, but yeah. um, he was kind of a nobody to me at the time of watching that, so it sure. wasn't a name that stands out. So uh, overall killer action uh the plot was kind of dense in twists and turns but it was never out of the realm of following along with in a in a even in a passive yes viewing way yeah um so like it was complicated yet easy to follow um i like i completely agree great way to spend two hours eat some popcorn maybe pet a dog um yeah it's solid for what it is so i mean for me it's like a it's like a six five yeah Okay, that, I mean, to your point, that's that is a tough line to toe because, in theory, we're talking about some fairly techie stuff that would be easy to lose people if somebody like, say, Christopher Nolan took a swing at this 
and really dove deep into what a quantum computing AI computer could do. Mm-hmm. I think it could turn very heady and lose a lot of people. But at the same time, you don't want it to feel so spoon-fed that you don't feel like you have to pay attention. And you also don't want to be given things that feel like they're so, that you've heard it so much before that you also don't need to pay attention. And I think mm-hmm. this movie does a good job doing that. There's there's relatively engaging stuff when it comes to kind of getting the explanation of how this thing works, how the heart works. And there's still enough new conceptually. And maybe that's just because we're kind of at a, a turning point with AI and, and it's been in the conversation culturally for the past couple of years with like chat GPT and, and all the things that are attached to that. But like there's enough there to still play into the mold of a spy thriller um, be it, yeah, be it 007 or, or Mission Impossible or Minority Report, but have this kind of fresh-ish twist on on the content in that way mm-hmm. that I, I, yeah, was enough for me to be like, all right, like this is still kind of fun. Um, and the other thing that, I think this might be not talked about enough about spy movies is that when there is an element that doesn't totally line up with our real world, like we don't, to our knowledge, me and you, we don't have one of these machines I'm, somebody probably has something close, but like, it's not it's not in our in our social vernacular. Mm-hmm. So like, it has to be explained to us a little bit, um, and the movie has to give us those lines, those expositional lines, where you know, uh, well, this is an example of when it didn't go so well in the movie. Her main boss is like, "Have you heard of so and so?" And instead of saying yes, she kind of you know, qualifies. She's like, yes. Oh, do you mean the, the, the billionaire assassin that's on a trip here right now? Cause he has a gambling problem. Like we didn't, she, that's not a, that's not a human conversation. That's a, right? that's a movie audience, you know, underhand. So we keep up mm-hmm. that line sucked, but there are a couple lines in here that they have to give us so that we know what they're talking about with this machine that we have never seen before. Yeah, exactly. And I think it did. Okay. Towing that line, but it wasn't obviously close to perfect. Yeah, no. Uh, you're, you're right, though. It didn't get too heady and too meta. I mean, they definitely dealt with some larger good versus evil stuff, but it never got like high concept. It was very straightforward concept. The It didn't require a lot of thought to no. to get the, the major plot points and the who's good and who's bad. No, no. Um, I will also say that um, I lost interest in the motivation of the villain because they made the villain too bad pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and there's a few villains in here in this movie, some larger than others. Um, but what ends up, who ends up being the main villain, the, the main pro, uh, antagonist of this whole thing, just full sends the mustache twirl. And it's like, all right, well, this person can't win because that's that's too much. That's yeah, and it, they, I, it loses the stakes. Yeah, they made him like pure evil. Yeah. I also just wanted to briefly, you talked about the dynamic between uh, Rachel and Kia, Galgadet and uh, Alaya Bot. And Kia's thing is that she is... Um, She's not with MI6. She's not with the charter. She's like an independent agent who's hacked in even to the most unhackable system, like working as a as a ghost. And she's got a grudge. So like they're not on the same team. So those interactions come at pretty high tension points. And mm-hmm. I think they do a good job building that up because it doesn't start like they don't just bump into each other. There's a little game of cat and mouse that happens that yes. I think I think is pretty satisfying the way that that goes, even, even exactly. if it's pretty predictable. I think those dynamics between those two characters and even like the three main characters really were yeah. probably the most enjoyable parts of the movie because that character Kia is she's got the most rational, reasonable, identifiable motivations totally. in this whole movie. She's yes. like the human element in this where you've got like 
polar opposites of pure good and pure evil on either side of her. Yes. She's yeah. like a uh, like a lawful neutral or not lawful. Because she's I know what you're saying. Breaking the law. So she'd be more like chaotic. She's like a Robin, she's like a Robin she's, Hood. Yeah, she's chaotic neutral. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is the – I don't know what it is about this particular brand of action, but like the attempts at comedy throughout. And <laughs> most of the time in movies like this that are worse, the comedy just never works. But what was frustrating to me about this one is that sometimes it does work. There's a, a pretty extensive It's frustrating that it was funny. It was frustrating because it showed me that it had the potential to be funnier. Had it right. been written smarter or edited better or, um, in, in this case, more more sparingly, I think. There's a there's a very extensive car chase that happens. Um, I don't remember what city that was in, but uh, there's staircases and canals and uh, a sprinter van that jumps staircases. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was in Lisbon. Lisbon, okay. Um during this time, I think this is okay to say too, because her MI6 team does not know she is undercover. This is when they find out. She gets to show off her skills. Mm-hmm. And th- what ends up happening is they're cracking jokes throughout this in, in a scene that's meant to be fairly intense. There's guns yeah. shooting. There's people, you know, there's like car accidents happening and it's meant to feel very intense. You would, you would think by, by the music and by the blocking and by everything except these little jokes that they throw in and none of the jokes mm-hmm. land. Um, and then the, the thing finally comes to a halt. They get rid of the bad guys. They, they outmaneuver them. And the van comes to a halt. And there's this callback to something that gets mentioned in the beginning where one of her, her buddies goes, um, what does he even say? He goes, um, like, pretty successful for your first day away from the desk or something like that. It's not that. It's more satisfying than that. Mm-hmm. But that line would have hit me so much harder had I not been beaten down by these missed comedy punches the past seven minutes. And I yeah, wish they would have so just many- kept that line. Yeah, you're fighting for your lives in a car chase. There's bullets whizzing by your head. You're cracking one-liners like it's uh, Deadpool. It just deflates it, just... it. It really deflates the the sense of urgency and the action and the intensity. It's just it's a really bad call to do that. I think most of the time. Yes, I agree. All right, that was uh, I think the last thing that I really uh, needed to talk about before we get into spoilers. Do you have anything else? I'm ready for spoilers. Okay, then we will say this once again. You've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, and I'm only saying that because possibly you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM and you've just tuned in and didn't know that. If you have thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show today or if you're just tuning in, please stay stay around so you can hear what we're talking about. You can text or call us at 530-433-0839 or you can send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing Heart of Stone with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider that your second to last warning. In the meantime, don't touch that dial or that pause button on your podcast app on your phone because we will be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to The Danger Zone. This is when we're going to spoil our movie of the week, Heart of Stone. Um, and that's your last warning. So now consider this, consider this dangerous because we're going to spoil everything. Um, or at least the things that we think need spoiling. So, Johnny, where do we start? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like, yeah, I think the biggest spoiler early is when we find out that Kenneth Branagh, no, what's his name? Jamie Dornan. <laughs> sure. Jamie Dornan's character is, in fact, a double agent. And yeah. we find that out because he shoots two of the his MI6 teammates, like, directly in the head. Very much. out ca- of nowhere. Caught me off guard. That uh, Me too. Yeah. That was a big moment where I was just like, whoa, okay, this movie's going to like do some twisty turny stuff. And yeah, I was not expecting that at all. Did you expect that he was going to be a bad guy or that, you, or no? No. All right. Cause I saw that one coming a mile off. 
Yeah. I don't know why, but later on, she's Gal Gadot's talking to her superior, and she's like, I spent five years, and it was right in front of me, and I didn't see it, and he was right in front of my face. And I was like, I've spent 10 minutes, and I absolutely saw it. He's like, he just seems so sketchy. Like, he doesn't fit in with that group. They're like outcasts and nerds, kind of. And he's yeah, like this he's James Bond wannabe weird, dude. It's so strange. And his weird oogly eyes at, at her. I know. And it's like, back off, dude. It kind of seems like she has a good thing going uh, with, with Bailey, uh, Paul Reddy's character. The driver, right? like they got a, a little charming back and forth. Like Jamie Dornan, get out, dude. Find other stuff yeah, to do. That, that guy's got a cat. You can't compete. Yeah. Oh, is that whose cat that was? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I heard her say, "I was. I'm a friend of your dad's." And I was like, "Who are you talking about?" Because I forgot yeah, was, about those characters. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um. So I mean, that's a big spoiler. Um. Trying to think other like main plot point spoilers. Anything you want to touch on? I think the uh, the whole scene. When they hacked into the the blimp type thing that was carrying yeah. the actual heart, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it was cool, except well, so there's a couple things. Like so, right? So the heart, nobody can find it, right? Because it's like floating in a giant blimp. Like I think they said eighty five thousand feet. Yeah, almost is, in space. Yeah, which is way higher than it. I guess it was descending, so that's fine, fair. But it's also apparently filled with hydrogen. Yeah, like at one point, Jamie Dornan pulls out his gun because he's gonna shoot Rachel. And uh, and and um, Kia's like, even a single spark will set this off. Like the the sides or the whatever the the pat not the like pad. the outer layer. Yeah, yeah, it's filled with hydrogen. And I'm like, what? Why would you design that that way? So you, so you're keeping like the world's greatest supercomputer inside <laughs> you know, like bomb. Hindenburg 2.0, right? Like what? It was just such a weird. It's like all right, I guess it's got to be convenient because the thing is gonna blow up and we have to do that. But like, I mean, I'm no designer, but I know you shouldn't do that. It seems like it's been proven to be a bad idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That sequence was super cool. I dug that as well. Um, there's so many. So when you find out that Rachel, this is in the beginning, in the in the ski resort underground human blood gambling ring, which is a hell of an idea for setting an opening scene of a movie, by the way. <laughs> right. But whatever. They're there to get, like, the, there's a sting operation against this dude named Mulvaney, uh, played by Enzo Clienti, um, or sorry, Silenti. Um, whatever, he, whatever. MI6 needs him because he's a bad guy and they need to use him as an asset to get other bad guys. Whatever. She fakes an ankle sprain, which I didn't know was her faking. I thought she just did, like, that's what happens with her character. And mm -hmm. I was like, this character is lame. And then her team leaves her. She's like, leave me. I'll be fine. And they're like, all right, see ya. Good plan. Bye. I, I can't believe that worked. Because then she puts on her little earpiece or contact or whatever. And then she turns into basically um, Idris Elba's character from um, Hobbs versus Shaw. Mm -hmm. And we get to see what she's seeing. It's like a digital augmented reality that like gives her the best possible opportunities at any given decision, right? Like at any fork in the road, here's the time you go down. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is she's talking to her people and they're like, all right, your MI6 team who had to take an ambulance down to meet Jamie Dornan and, and Mulvaney at the bay. This is before he's turned, obviously. Like they're not going to make it in time. So you're going to have to go a different route. So she ends up um, sliding down a mountain, catching a parachute, zip lining, jumping onto like a like a what do you call the snowmobile, basically. Mm -hmm. And and gets there at the exact same time as the ambulance. <laughs> like, yep. Like no significant change at all 
And I just thought well, that no, was so Well, no, she got there way faster. Not way faster. About? She got there barely faster. No, dude, she got there, and then she took out the whole security team and hid the bodies. And then there was a scene where she, the, the, the man in the chair was like, all right, you've got four minutes to hide the bodies before the team gets there. And then it cuts. Oh, did he say to four when they minutes? Get there. Yeah, it was a, a chunk of time. All right, my bad. Then at some point, it looked like she was at least next to them during the snowmobile part. Yeah. And I guess, I yeah, know, I, she, I guess if they said four minutes, you're right. Yeah, there was there was a gap there. Like, I, I'll, I'll buy that because right. they did address it at least. But yeah, the augmented reality stuff was cool. Like, she has this heads up display, like in her contact lens, showing her like traversing down a map. Yeah. And there's yeah. just this line she follows. I thought that stuff was cool. Like, yeah, that's, you know, they kind of have tried that, not to this degree, but with like, you know, the Google Glass that never took oh, off. Oh, totally. And yeah. There's been AR. Um, the glasses that they've been messing around with for a long time. Yeah, Apple's doing it. Oh, man, dude, once they get it to that level, like, sign me up. Well, yeah, everyone's going to sign up. They're going to get melted onto their faces. Like, that's it for us. Yeah. Stick it in my head. Let's go. Also, like, one of the biggest themes of this movie that I felt was not explored nearly enough was kind of kind of like the old guard versus the new guard thing. Where Like, same thing in, in Top Gun Maverick where it's like, like where I think in that movie, like I would never, you know, I could never send a drone to do what a pilot could do sort of like it doesn't have mm -hmm. the human. And that's what this is. It's like, do you trust this machine that they really put a lot of emphasis on the certainty? It's like it's 96 percent certain. And then yeah. she's like, but I have I'm a but I'm, you know, I'm a girl. I'm a human. I'm a human woman. And I know more than a machine ever could. I don't think that's true. Number one. But even if it is like prove it by the end of the movie and they don't, it's just kind of. You know, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, they kind of did because the, the computer said go to Lisbon and, and uh, Stone was like, they're not in Lisbon. It's a distraction. And the computer was like, nope, go there. And so her boss was like, go there. And she's like, but if we always listen to the odds from this computer, we never account for people doing things in spite of the no, odds. No, I mean, I know they talked about it. I know she has those lines. Like, what, what does that even mean for the... Like, what did that mean for the fate of this machine? Like, are they going to change the way they implement it? Are they going to tweak it a little bit? Like, what's the well, deal? That, they kind of address that at the end of the movie because with her, like, new squad, basically she alludes to that she's the one that accounts for the other 2% of chance, basically. Oh, I guess that's true. She's like, that's when they send me. Yeah, they literally true. addressed it All right. and made, yeah. Well, okay, fine. Then I guess I'm fine with it. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> And I'm curious if they make another movie, how, like, most of the time, is it just going to be them sitting around and things go exactly like the computer right, right. Like, you just would. trust the thing and then they just drink cold lattes. Why was yeah. Why was Kia's latte cold? Because uh, they were out of oat milk. So what? I don't know. Maybe it took longer. I don't understand <laughs> I, why one of the lattes was cold. I know. She drinks it because she's on the team now. And then um, J Jack of Hearts character, Matthias, is like... You know, we could still have you thrown in jail. How dare you ask? <laughs> Your latte is cold. I'm going to threaten you with jail time. And that's how the movie ends, mostly. Mm -hmm. That was weird. Why would, why, would, why would it be cold? I think that's a fair right? question. Yeah, I think it's a perfectly reasonable ask. <laughs> He's like, gotcha. Why is my latte the only one you. that's cold? Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a crappy prank, man. Feeling, uh, feeling a little discriminated against yeah. here. Well, really? Yeah. Um, any other favorite scenes from this? Oh man, I'm trying to think. I think I covered like the best action scenes for me. Like the whole skydiving sequence was rad. It was, yeah. I mean, there's also a whole subplot that happens after that where they get taken to a village, kind of. 
Oh yeah, and betrayed. Didn't, that, that was unnecessary. The more I talk about this movie, the more I am gonna change my rating because it is not. Yeah. It's not a six. Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately, it is a five though. I'm changing my rating officially. I still we are allowed to do that in the danger zone, so I'm doing that. All right. There's just some stuff that was like, all right, like this is just super like the, that whole sequence and like those are the dialogue heavy sequences. By the way, when they're kind of like mm-hmm. traveling in between, I think the set pieces are great. The dialogue pretty not great. Yeah, and like the main action at the end, like the big confrontation was kind of a letdown for me. Like they had the big fight scene in the computer cooling room and yeah. there was some, you know, coolant pipes busted off the wall and sprayed at people. But yes. I don't know. The level of action that they had leading up to that, I feel like they could have done more, maybe had an extended choreographed fight scene with more set pieces, just made that bigger. Yeah. Because it was it, it was the fight scene that had the most weight and it was going to decide basically the fate of the people in the movie. Yes. So it was this pivotal moment that I feel like they kind of had it in a phone booth and it was it was shorter than I expected. Yeah. And it just yeah, didn't didn't really love it. I like that they made Jamie Dornan's combat skills like a formidable match for these two smaller women. Mm-hmm. Like they got their butts kicked pretty good. Like they had to earn mm-hmm. that win. I think that was nice. It wasn't like a um, although I think most most action movies that have come out in the past few years that have a female lead do a pretty good job with combat realism in that sense. Like, I I think that's a I don't know why it's a sticking point in conversations, but it is. It's like these girls could never beat up these big henchmen, and I think um, combat choreography has gotten a lot better in the logistics of how that would actually go down. Mm-hmm. If if you have a highly trained assassin um, who's having to use her knowledge and smaller stature to outmaneuver or outwit larger henchmen. I think I think they do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. No, I think back to Atomic Blonde and right. all the licks that she took in that. Like she was beat to crap yeah. most of that movie. Yeah. And yeah. it just it made sense. Yeah. Um let's see. I think that's probably everything I've got. There's nothing else jumping out out of my brain. So let's yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine. Um if we wrap up our conversation here if you are. Yeah, I'm good with it. Okay, then would you, sir, perhaps be ready for another beverage? I would. Let me go grab it real quick. All right. We'll be right back. All right. We're back with beer number two. It's called Local Snacks. As a reminder, or if you're just uh, joining us on the radio, we are talking about Fontaflora Brewing out of Morganton, North Carolina. This is an Appalachian Wild Ale clocking in at 6.4%. As a reminder, Johnny picked this up today right here in Chico at S&S Produce. Johnny, what can you tell me about this beverage? Yeah, I'm actually going to go off of the can versus what I found online because it's much more specific to this version of the beer we're consuming. This is a blended mixed culture ale fermented with a menagerie of local second-use fruit, including muscadine grapes, merlot grapes, nectarines, blackberries, and cherries. This was brewed with water from our wells and 99% local ingredients. This is 100% can conditioned, and it is alive inside, so serve it cold. What are second fruits? Um, I'm not sure specifically. I know what I think um, it is, but that can't be right. Second use fruit maybe would be like wine grapes that have been pressed, perhaps. Um, I don't maybe know. like a cherry that's been juiced. Uh, I'm going to look up second use fruit. All right. I'm going to tell you about the can. It's, um, well, it's essentially a bunch of Otter Pops. Of course, without the trademark, there are, there are seven, we will say one ounce fruit juice pops in translucent tubing and they're all ripped open and they've squirted out the top and their juices have conveniently arranged themselves to say local snacks. Uh, and around the back basically is what Johnny said. 
This is not a collaboration beer. And that's essentially the gist of it. That is what is on the can. Have I bought enough time for you to tell me what second use fruits are? Nope. It's very additionally uh, in my glass is a is a guava nectar pink, very low carbonation looking beverage uh, that has no head retention. There's nothing going on by way of lacing. It's just this kind of ruby red grapefruit, and that's more correct, more more so than guava. It's not quite that that royal pink. It's got that kind of burnt orange ruby red grapefruit juice kind of um, both color and viscosity swirling around in the glass. It's not really hanging on. There's, there ain't no legs on this thing, and it smell. I'm not going to get into the smell yet unless I have to. How about now? No, you don't. You're good. Uh, so basically, second-use fruit is just fruit that they've used to brew beer with once before already. You mean, you mean, you mean the type of fruit? Like, oh, we used cherries before, so we're going to use cherries again. No, literally, get me new same cherries, fruit. same fruit. That sounds gross. Yep, I don't, I don't love that. I feel like a big part of brewing beer is sanitation, and that sounds unsanitary. Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I know. don't know. But I'll tell you, I've never heard of that before. Me neither. We're learning about spunding. We're learning about. Um, Second use fruit. I mean, Second, of course, short beers. Yeah, uh, and that other know. purity law that I'm not going to try to pronounce again. I yeah, I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> so, um, have you tried it yet? I haven't. I've been googling like my there. life depended on it. There's a very now. I'm going to get to the nose. There is an incredible astringency that is coming off this thing. Um, oh boy! Very very indicative of I would guess a little bit of heartburn in both you and my future. Yours and Woo. mine, future. Yeah. Um, and it's it's if you like harsh sours, things with very strong um, Britannomyces flavors, perhaps. I'm not sure. I haven't tasted it, but I would guess that's the direction this thing's going to go. But it sounds like by your yodel or yippee-ki-yay that you made, you have tasted it. Yeah. Give me your thoughts. That is aggressively tart. Ooh. Man. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, wow. Ooh. Hot dog. Um, um, yeah. So that is um, that is a sour's sour right there. It's pretty. It's um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's great, I think, is that it doesn't strike me as like overly acidic. It doesn't. Like, I mean, it's very acidic. Okay. But okay. this is maybe the most traditionally in the use of the word sour beers that I've had in a long time. This yeah. is straight up like Warheads sour. I forgot about warheads for a minute, but you're exactly oh. right. You know how when you eat a warhead, I can it almost makes me like I don't know if it makes me salivate or want to throw up, but <laughs> when you get a warhead in your mouth and that like white powdery sugar makes your teeth not stick, but it the slipperiness, like they should put warhead powder on roads to prevent cars from sliding. Because it makes your teeth like great. Almost mm -hmm. like I think we should get rid of the phrase nails on a chalkboard and replace it with teeth on teeth after a warhead. Ugh. It's just you know what I mean. Yep, and it's bad, and it's the same sort of punchy, tangy, sour acidity from this beer that I get when um, I grate my teeth together after a warhead, and the back of my mouth starts flooding with saliva. Yeah, I don't know how man. to be any more, more specific than that. That is, what it's, this it's so is. specific, but I felt <laughs> every bit of that description. Yeah. This is aggressively sour. It has got a ton of the tartness coming through from the nectarines, from the cherries. Mm -hmm. uh, blackberries, a little bit, sure, I could see it. Particularly the, the grapes, though. Um, you yes. know, some, some green grapes, definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeing it. it it's a, a very 
hodgepodge mixture of some fruits that can all tend to be somewhat tart, and they found the tartest versions of those sometimes tart fruits yes. and combined them apparently more than once. And this is the second uh, teabagging of the fruit, I suppose, for lack of a better term. Well, yeah. I mean, they tarted it the first time, and then they, they re-tarted it. You know, yeah. so it's like a double, it's a double tart. It's tarted twice. Yeah. So it's like extra. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And it shows, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a sharp beer. You just said this beer is retarded. It is retarded. And it's ruining my life. I don't make the rules. I'm telling you what it is. Yes. It's, yeah. it's doubly tarted. They, yeah. They, they took you, a second swing. It's a classic, it's a classic double tart mess around from Fauna Flora. They they messed around. They double tarted. We're finding out, and I don't think I love what I'm finding out. No, it's burnt my hearted. Yeah, it's it's burned my hearted. That's yeah, what it is. Man. Look, it's it's a very acidic beer. I ugh, I don't know. It's I don't mean to say ugh. I mean it is just difficult to drink or whatever. So well, I've had <laughs> maybe two ounces, and I already feel bad. I think I will give them a little nod here that this is in a twelve ounce can, which. If your options are 12 or 16, you have made the right choice. Remember when beers or breweries would make beers like this in like 750 milliliter bottles? And charge you was... $49 for them? Yeah. I Looking feel like that's you. my experience with DeGard beers in general. Like they still do that? Yeah. Some of theirs are great. Uh, some of theirs yes. can get way too tart though. That's true. Uh, I'm thinking Rare Barrel specifically. Those beers oh, yeah. always oh, yeah. just ruined me. And remember the brewery Tarot? Tarot? Yeah, Tarot. Uh, a lot of those beers too were just this acid sour bomb. I know, man. It's like, okay. it's, go ahead. Just as as a sour beer though, because we've we've had our fair share. How, how, many, would you, how, many, wait, how many would you say you've had? Hundreds. No, you haven't. Hundreds? Yes, I have. Hundreds. Over the last decade, absolutely. All right. Seems like a lot. I haven't had like a whole pint of all of them. Yeah, yeah. But between Hundreds. all the bottle shares and, you know, samples out at bars. and Yeah, you probably have. Yeah, you've been to a lot of, you've shared some bottles. Yeah. And, and I would say, yeah. And there was a time, maybe seven, six years ago, where this style was kind of the rage. You know, it kind of shifted from sours to barrel-aged stouts, and then yes. that has lingered, and that's a style that's maintained. But you see, like, the trend kind of going back to lagers and light beers while stouts still have this through line. And sours have become this niche that people that love them love them. But they're, you know, back in the day, man, you would see five sour beers on tap somewhere. Yeah. Now you see one or two. Yep. It's just the sample, the serving size of the customer that requires that serving size, I think, is diminished as that trend has gone away. So I agree. I've I for sure have tried not to sound, you know, pretentious or anything, but a, a couple hundred for sure. I think uh, just with this show, we've probably tried a hundred together. That's I think verifiably false. Okay. Well, it feels like it between because I'm considering, you know, Berliner Weisses. Tart yeah, saisons. Yeah, you're right. I think yeah, okay, at least fifty to eighty would I'd, be a safe bet. We could find this out. Um, it, do, it doesn't super matter, but it's no. Let's it's, not find out now because we we don't quite have our comprehensive list up to date. But I bet you yeah. it's closer to forty. I would think it's higher than that, man. We've just I feel like we've done a lot of sours. Think of all the Russian rivers we've done. All the all the the uh, the random tart saisons. The There's random, a bunch. I mean, yeah, yeah, and we're not playing we're not playing prices right rules here. By the way, R.I.P. To Bob, Bob Barker. Barker. Shout out at least once on this week's episode. That just happened. Absolutely. Well, you know, he made it to 99. He wasn't. I know. I've seen that joke dollar. as well. 
It's so good. Um, maybe we can put a four loco on this dude and we can talk about it on a Patreon bonus episode. I will say it's less than 40. It's more than 40. You're going to go that close to my bet. You're not going to give a little cushion. Nope. I don't know why you would. Yeah. That's the smart bet. Yeah. Okay. It's 40 or less. And if uh, we're going to, we're going to do this on an episode, a bonus episode and we'll the figure over it out. Under is 40. And then we'll crack a four loco and see where the rest of the episode takes us. And I will, yeah. the loser, I assume out of, out of good faith and good sportsmanship might sip along. Who knows? This is a perfect time for me to finally get the, uh, the warheads fruit punch collaboration with four loco. There is actually wow. a warheads for loco. It's just gonna wreck heartburn land. I mean, that's just, somebody's gonna spit. I, yeah, I guarantee it. It's horrible. Yeah. But let's do it. I don't care. Uh, yeah, we we make our own rules, man. Um, so getting back to what I said, we've yes. we've got a decent sample size, right. numbers and specifics aside. How does this stack up in the pantheon of sour ales that you have experienced in the last ten years? It's too harsh for me. Too harsh. It's not necessarily the most harsh. Um, it's very harsh, though. I've had about two sips, um, and it's not like I've been fighting myself from taking another. I'm I'm gonna go back and have another now, but it's not it's not near my favorites. No, it's very cherry forward. Um, the second sip, I just third sip actually, I just went back for more, mm-hmm. and it is uh, dominant dominant cherry notes. Um, there's a, a style of sours where they're primarily cherry and i'm trying to remember the word yeah god but uh is it are you going for i don't think it's a lambic is it no no. oh i know what you're saying i got it hang on um i hand to god i'm not googling anything i'm just trying to think of it um okay but anyways this if you think of it that's dope okay this could pass for that style of of just it's a a creek it's a creek it's a creek Creek. thank you k-r-i uh k-r-i-e-k i think yes um, this you could easily pass off to me as a creek, and I'd be like, "Yep, dude, I super think creeks strong. are sweeter than this." That's the thing; they they're super cherry forward. I'd have, I've had some that are crazy sour like this, yeah, okay. where it's just tart cherry. The ones that I like get more jammy. They have like a more cherry pie filling vibe sure, while still sure. having tart undertones, which is the balance that wins and gets me to rate a sour beer pretty high and mm-hmm. and really enjoy it. This. Off the charts acidity, nothing but the tartest possible version of every single fruit involved. Uh, it, the sum of its parts is something that I don't find very enjoyable at all. Unfortunately, no, I, I don't either, and I don't care if that makes us like like some people. I think really pride themselves on having a developed palate for sour beers, and I think that's awesome. It's not a style that I pursue because I am, when it comes down to it, prone to heartburn from this kind of stuff. I can already feel it brewing, like, yep. like it's right there at the at the at the base of my sternum just like yeah. a fiery burning sensation that is not the most enjoyable thing i've ever felt nope i think it's well made and if you love sours you're probably going to dig it but i don't love sours and it has to be a very specific flavor profile for me to really endorse it and and this ain't it man okay so that is a good distinction that i meant to hit on for the other for the first beer Um, but we both liked the first beer, so it wasn't as big of a distinction that needed to be made. But the question that does need to be asked probably when we have beers that we don't love is regardless, is it well-made? And I think we're both saying, yes, this one is well-made. It seems like it's it's exactly what it's trying to be. There's been a lot of thought put into the ingredients. Clearly, that's a big thing with this brewery. And it's just not my cup of local snack. Nope, me neither. Um, Okay, are you ready to rate it out of... 
Yeah, it's a it's a three point five for me. It's just it's not hitting, and it hurts me. Not quite up to a four. No. All right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a three for me. You know, I'm not quite. It's not like I think twos are. Um, twos get into having to be probably objectively poorly made a little bit. Yeah, I think you can still be a three, but but if you're a well made beer, three basically means that I hate it personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I which I do. That's I, the most. Fair it's not the worst. I hate you know. You. Yeah, like it's yeah. just not for me, and that's okay. Like a tip of the hat to the brewers because they made a good beer. Totally, or they made a beer that's well made. The, the craftsmanship is Correct. there. Uh, it's just not a car I want to drive. No, and a lot of people will really like it. So don't let us dissuade you. If I think we can't be any clearer, like it's a good sour. If you like sours, go get it. It's at SNS. Um, you'll find it, and you'll you'll be like, oh, these guys were right. This is exactly what I was looking for. Or you'll yep. be like, these guys were wrong. They have no idea what they're talking about. And then you can probably get in touch with us to tell us that because we, I mean, we like that feedback a little bit less, but we stand by it. We do like feedback. Exactly. We're basically the blood brain barrier for your drinking habits. We exactly. just keep keep the bad out, let the good in. Sometimes we tell you, hey, this is bad for this brain. Yeah. It might be great for your brain. You so. got anything else on, on local snacks, Johnny? Uh, No. I, right. Well, yes, I love their cans, and I love the nod to to local. I gotta say, I gotta shout that out again. I think that's super cool. I wish more breweries did stuff like that. It shows care and uh, real attention to craftsmanship, which I appreciate. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR ninety point one FM, People Powered Radio. If you have feedback on anything at all that we've discussed today, you can call, you can text five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. That is our personal podcast phone number. Again, the number is 530-433-0839. Or if you're more traditional, feel free to send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. Next week on the show, we're covering the 2023 film, an A24 drama called Past Lives. It's currently available on video on demand unless you have some pretty sweet local theaters that happen to be screening this. Um, so check it out. Rent it and uh, you know keep up with us on our conversation about Past Lives. That's right. And as a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered, or if you want to go digging around through six plus years worth of back cataloged episodes going all the way back to 2016 when we started this thing, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. We will be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 p.m. So until then, people, consume some films and some beers that Broaden your horizons. And if you enjoyed the show today, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently heading to the beach or doing dishes and listening in podcast form, we will be right back with Hot and Bothered. bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, everybody. Uh, Part of the show where Johnny and I catch up. We've, um, did we record? We did record. I'd rather not um, actually uh, bring this up. So yes, of course we recorded (laughs) last week. Um, and if so, maybe, maybe you're a, maybe you're a weekly dedicated listener and you're like, no, you didn't by now. You actually wouldn't be saying that because I have uploaded that episode. It's just been a pretty long week. So we almost, you know, it just, life got away from me and, uh, I, whatever, I'm sorry. And thank you for forgiving me. Hopefully <laughs> the point is Johnny, it feels like it's been a while since we talked because it's been a while since I've heard your voice. Yeah, that's fair. It's been a week. What's been going on with you? I was super sick. Uh, we recorded separately last week because I was super under the weather oh, and you had yeah. a bunch of shows coming up yeah. and I didn't want to get you sick because 
don't know if you can hear me. Uh, you've been listening this whole time. I hope you can hear me. Uh, I still kind of sound somewhat terrible. I'm like you sound fine. Eight, I'm like eighty percent better. Yeah. Uh, the smoke and the wind is not helping. Oh yeah. I was super sick after we recorded. It got way worse. Just had a gnarly cold and it laid me out all weekend. So I had a sick. Lay in bed, lay on the couch, curl up with some soup, and uh, nice. just watch some Netflix and, and play some Diablo Weekend. So I watched a few things. Uh, I'll just touch on them briefly. Uh, Alone, one of my well-documented favorite shows, started a new version of itself called Alone Australia. It is mm. produced by Australian television, I guess their History Channel affiliate or whatever. But it's all set in Tasmania, okay. which is a super different uh, you know, set and setting than anything they've done so far. A completely different set of problems, uh, flora and fauna, and uh, things that will try and kill you in the night, things yep. you can eat. Yep. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Like they've got weird rules on that one where like you can't hunt with a bow and arrow. It's against the the Aboriginal rules of the island. Yeah, so really. Why? Just, they always stick with um, any local hunting laws or like if something's out of season. No, I mean, why is that uh, a local hunting law? Why can't you hunt with a bow and arrow? Uh, they just I don't know. I know it's you didn't. Allowed. I know it's, it's not. You're not an expert in this, but I just feel like maybe they would be like, don't hunt with like a cannon. You know, like, right. like, all right, sure. But like a bow right. and arrow seems very, like as far as like environmental impact goes, very, very low. Yeah, they're not not allowed. No bows and arrows and like no traps. They have to like find something and hit it in the head. That's it's, horrible. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. All right. So, and it's super wet there. It rains like the time that they're there, it rains like 250 days a year. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been very engaging. I think there's four episodes out. So we caught up this weekend and then... uh been been digging that. If you've liked Alone, check out Alone Australia. If you've never watched it and uh, you've heard me talk about Alone, me and Max at length, uh, it's worth watching. Oh, dude, I, I don't watched... think that made the cut. No, <laughs> I don't think so. We talked about Alone for so long. <laughs> we went on a tangent in Hot and Bothered, and this is probably like three or four months ago, with just all our random survival scenarios. We, and yeah, like who in Patreon you would survive longer than? It was it a got whole, very it, it personal. Was, it got very personal, very niche, and very uninteresting. Even to me, when I listened to it sober the next day, I was like this does not. <laughs> like, this does not. It's this is cutting room floor gold. Go home, Johnny. You're yeah. drunk. We should release that as a bonus episode. It's gone now. But yes, we could have. But it wasn't good. Yeah. Like nobody wanted to hear that, unfortunately. And I, I yeah. it's, it falls upon my shoulders sometimes as the editor of this to have to sometimes make those calls. And I, you know, it, it hurts my heart a little bit, um, but not as much as that beer did. So I'm okay. With That's that. fair. Um, and I'm going to talk about two things real briefly, because sure. I know you personally, Max, will absolutely not care about either of them. Great. <laughs> uh, I watched two documentaries about sports and football and athletes. Uh, the first just came out in 2023, and it was called Swamp Kings. It is about uh, Florida, the Florida football team, okay. uh, the Florida Gators sure. uh, from 2005 to 2010. Great basically baseball the team. Yep, football. Sure. Shoot. Um, but it was all about the Urban Meyer era of Florida football uh, and his recruiting process and how he pushed himself too far. It was just kind of a really deep personal look at that team and the players on it. A bunch of the players were on the documentary. Yeah, uh, There was a lot of, of um, issues on the team as far as people getting arrested and some just a bunch of, of characters on that team. So it was, it was a really good watch. If you're into college football um, – or college football history, 
Uh, I'm into both. Uh, I thought it was very well done. Uh, and the second, wait, wait, where did you wa- where did you watch that one? These everything's on Netflix. Got it. Okay. Yep. Uh, and the second one we watched was an Aaron Hernandez documentary because I think it was called The Mind of Aaron Hernandez, um, and it was a three part documentary about a tight end that actually played under Urban Meyer in Florida in like 2006 through mm. 2008. Uh, and it was a documentary that came out during the pandemic, so it was 2020, and I just never got around to watching it. But seeing Aaron Hernandez in the Swamp Kings documentary reminded me, and then also it came up in my suggested that, like, hey, you should watch this too, and got absorbed into that, and it was a fascinating look at um, a really troubled person. He's kind of a controversial figure, yeah? I feel like I know that name. Yeah, so he was a football player, obviously, on Florida, like we just talked about. Mm. And then also he was on the New England Patriots, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl uh, when they lost the Super Bowl against the New York football giants. Uh, okay. But he's most famous, unfortunately, for murdering someone. And oh. um, Yeah, and then eventually committing suicide in prison. Oof. Um, yeah, it was a, a fascinating look at kind of his whole life, the things that led up to his decisions and um it kind of was wrapped up by a look at literally his brain uh after he had passed um because they they checked him for cte which is the like concussive trauma encephalitis or something yeah it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy encephalopathy that's a great just hits in the head over and over that affects your brain yeah, and that comes from, you know, obviously playing football from the time you're seven years old until yeah. I think when he committed suicide, he was 27. Um, but they said it was one of the most advanced um, cases of CTE that anyone had ever seen, especially in someone that young. Yeah. Um, it was equated to basically he had the brain of like an 80 year old person with dementia. Yikes. Um, so it was kind of a sobering look at the effects of, of contact sports. And, you know, there was a lot of commentary on that. Uh, fascinating documentary, though. It wasn't just about football. It was very interpersonal, very courtroom drama, really well-made documentary. So if you missed that in 2020 like I did, um, I think it was definitely worth a watch. And what was the official name of the documentary? Do you know? Ugh. we got to find out. I want to say it the was notes. The Mind. Okay, I'm looking. Okay. But it is on Netflix, including, and the other one was called Swamp Kings? Yeah. Cool. Whatever. Tell me what you have found, sweet Amy. Uh, it was called Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Oh. Wow. Okay. Killer inside. Killer inside. I'm just going to jot that down so we can put it in the notes in case people want to look. Done. Um, all right, man. Um, for me, it's been it's been kind of a hectic. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long, a lot of stuff going on the past couple of weeks. A um, bunch of shows. Uh, my friend and drummer and and patron of our Patreon, Rob, we played a, a luxury apartment complex neighborhood event in Reno last Sunday, um, which was a long but very kind of fun day. Um, that was after another kind of is like the fourth day of shows for me, the fifth day of shows for Rob. Um, and then my mom just had hip surgery. So I've been in Modesto kind of helping out because that, that hip surgery overlapped with a full kitchen renovation. So, oh God. uh, gutting the kitchen. So I was sort of there with, um, well, yeah, basically just doing heavy stuff that, um, people who have just had hip surgery should not to be doing at all. What a good son you are. Yeah. Ended up at, um, at good old P. Wexford's Pub, a place that I used to play. I went down with my girlfriend, Serena. She came and helped and 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 did a whole bunch of stuff. Spent some time with my family. Um, spent way too long at P. Wexford's Pub last night, um, kind of reminiscing <laughs> about the place and 
ended up having several drinks and chatting with the bartender and um, walked back home and didn't get enough sleep and hit the road at like 6 a.m. today to come back and um, take her cat to the vet and uh, get stuff squared away for the going to Reno tomorrow, which is where I'm going with the full band. We're doing the max bet and the penny slots thing. Um, so that's going to be a, a whole weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Man, you are really living that La Vida Loca. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's great. I just need to get a full night's sleep tonight and I'll be great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I hope that happens because you got a full plate and you need your rest, young man. You got any Labor Day plans? Um, <laughs> Really funny. I actually bought tickets to go see uh, the Oakland Athletics because they're playing uh, the Los Angeles or Anaheim Angels. Mm-hmm. And there's two players on the Angels that are like crazy good, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so I bought tickets to see them because I don't care about the A's. Um, well, nobody cares both, about the A's. They're like the worst no, team in baseball. Literally. Um, <laughs> and both of those players got hurt and are like out for the season Dang. within three days of me buying those tickets. So those are currently for sale. So I am. You're not scalping on doing, this show, sir. Find another no, place. No, it's on. Uh, they're on StubHub. You oh, can for real? Them. Yeah. No, I I, re- I posted them to resell them. Nice. All right. So we're looking at doing some stuff maybe more locally. There's been talk of going to one of the local casinos on Sunday and playing bingo, which I've never done, and it could be really fun. How old are you? Uh, old enough to play bingo. I don't think you are, dude. I'm gonna they're go not going to let you in? I'm going to have a nice little orange juice. I'm going to get my cards and do some stampy stamps. It's going to be great. Wow. Okay. That'll be... Great. Have fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come back with some stories and uh, maybe some phone numbers of some old blue hairs, if you get what I'm saying. I don't. But remember to speak yeah. loudly to people. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you look great today, Marge. You look awesome. What? I love that moo-moo. All right, man. Well, I think that's all I got. You got anything else you want to toss into Hot and Bothered here? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, if I get a wild hair, maybe I'll drive to Reno. That would be one hell of a wild hair. But yeah, by all means, yeah. please do. I think they're probably. I think the just to save you a little googling trouble. I think the hotel's booked up to full capacity because they heard we that's were going to be there. I so. can't. Af- I can't afford to stay at the hotel you play at anyway, well, bro. That's I'm gonna stay at the Circus Circus and come kick it with I the think homie, the, dude. I think Circus Circus closed. No, no, that can't be right. Some place did close though. Yeah, I, Circus Circus will never die. I just saw, I drove out of town. You know, last time I was there, and and there's this casino, and I can't, it was right downtown. Uh, it might have been the Nugget. It also could have been Circus Circus, but it was all boarded up, and I was just thinking to myself how creepy and cool it would be to, like, explore, like, just to go in there now. Like, I'm sure the machines are gone, maybe, but, like, it would just be creepy, you know? I like abandoned that stuff. Would, that'd be cool. Abandoned casinos got cool vibes. I was staring into that Kmart today. I got Chinese food for lunch and uh, stopped, and I looked into the Kmart, which is huge, by the way. You can't it's tell when all the all the aisles are in there, but... My, I just like abandoned stuff. I think it's macabre and interesting. We should go spelunking in abandoned buildings. That'd be fun. It'd be a short spelunk. I think it's they're usually only like 15 feet tall. You just probably Unless they have a basement. <laughs> That's true. Knock out the floor. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're talking about nothing, that means the show is over. So I will say <laughs> this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minority and everybody on Patreon. And as a reminder, in case you've forgotten the name behind this buttery sweet voice, I'm Max Minardi. And this silky smooth tones coming from the mouth of Johnny Summers. You guys have a great Labor Day weekend. Be good to each other. Uh, we will see you next month.
This is Fresh Hop Cinema.